0: Welcome to Break the Ice with Mike Vogel, presented by Power Up Premium Trail Mix, the official trail mix of the Washington Capitals. Mm-hmm. everyone, Mike Vogel here for WashingtonCaps.com. Welcome to our latest edition of Break the Ice. Happy to be joined today by the Caps video coordinator, Emily Engelnatsky, about to start her maiden season here in the NHL. Um, And and Emily, two seasons with with Hershey, obviously. But uh, a month from tonight, opening night, here uh, at Capital One Arena against the Boston Bruins. I'm guessing there's maybe a little bit more anticipation anticipation for the start of this season than the previous seasons you've you've had
1: yeah I think so obviously there's always excitement to get a season started Um, you know the summer feels long um, but I think you know personally for me there's probably a little bit more excitement Um, you know I love my time in Hershey Um, I can't imagine, you know, starting my career anywhere else. So moving up to Washington and kind of making that step for me is just really exciting.
0: And have you gotten family, settled, pets, all that?
1: We are all settled. Um, The animals seem happy. My wife seems happy. So, um, you know, we moved up here kind of the early August time. Um, So we've had some time to kind of decompress get to know the area explore a little bit and now um the focus shifts to hockey
0: excellent good to hear and the housing market here is is, is a bear to deal with so glad you were able to to, to get through that uh i'm on i'm on the record of saying that that rob tillotson has the hardest job in the organization and and i won't back off from that but i think that that what you and, and brett leanhart do is is pretty close behind and uh, you know it, i think i think there's something to the fact that both of both of those positions operate well behind the, the curtain. People don't see, but but it's fantastically important to what happens on the ice. Um, give us an idea, because I think people are, are really in the dark of, of what exactly you do on a day-in and day-out basis and how long your days are and, and how many hours you people put in uh, and, and really just how crucial What you do is to to the blood and the life work of of a hockey team day in and day out.
1: Absolutely. Well, I will second you saying that Rob Tillotson has (laughs) the hardest job uh, in sports. I can't imagine doing what he does. Um, But I think the best way for me to explain what a video coordinator or a video coach does is we're kind of a messenger of information. Um, obviously, during a game, there's so many things happening all at the same time. Um, you know, whether it's player shifts, systems clips. Um, so I like to think of us as messengers of that information, um, categorizing things, getting that uh, information to the coaches and players as quickly and efficiently as possible. Um, you know, we're marking things live during the game. Uh, So when the coaches come in, in between periods, everything's ready for them to look at. If there's a specific instance they want to look at, we can pull it right up. Um, You know, there's a lot of analytics now that go into decision-making. So we're helping to compile all of that information. Um, I think the biggest part of our job is scouting the opponent, and that's something that Brett Lee and Hart does so well. He puts together all of the uh, pre-scout meetings. So for me, my job is to assist him. Uh, And watching games, marking things, um, getting that to him so he can build those meetings. So um, it's definitely a lot of behind the scenes work. Um, You don't see us on the bench during games, but we're communicating directly with the coaching staff um, for feedback, looking at things a second time if it needs to be. Um, And so we're kind of just assisting the coaches live during the game as much as they need us to
0: those pre scouts are are unbelievable um you know you, i've had the privilege of sitting in on a few of them over the years and and just the amount of information that's conveyed in such a short period of time is is it's kind of overwhelming it brings back uh, College uh, night, nightmarish uh, situations, but but it's great information as well. And and you know, if you find yourself that night watching the game with with it in mind, so you you know that even even players maybe if their attention isn't what you would want it to be, I feel like it it soaks in without you you even realizing it sometimes. But like you say, there's the there's the pregame, there's the during the game, which I've also witnessed because Zach and I or Steph and I, whomever's on the road, and we come down last tv time out of the third period we're usually watching the last few minutes in the office there and trying to be as you know as quiet as we can be and just watching what goes on it's i mean it's it's crazy it's it's a little bit like air traffic control uh in some ways in that you you feel like you 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 don't want to you know this is a workplace and there's so much going on and i I mean, anybody who's watched the game realizes that so much is happening simultaneously all over the ice. And you people are cataloging all of these events and basically banking them for later on. And you alluded to to Brett in his... um scouts but i've known him for a long time too and i know he's he's also banking like things like bloopers and and goofball things that you guys can sort of jab people with a little bit you know for some light moments which are necessary over six months and 82 games too and then you've got players who are interested in in seeing their their shifts and and they want to see what they did in the face-off circle Typically, and, and I heard too that you, you'll shoot uh, practices sometimes, and guys will want to watch how they did in practice. When, when a guy asks you for practice tape, what are they typically looking for?
1: I think a lot of the time it's something specific. So if uh, special teams were practiced, uh, especially if there's a new concept, mm-hmm. um, you know, Scott Allen is coming in. Um, you know, if there's changes to the penalty kill, they might want to look at certain rotations. Um, even you know if someone's coming back from an injury, how does my stride look? Um, comparing themselves to other players, so it can be a number of different things. Um, I think every player is unique, but um, especially at this level, you know, there's such a small window of difference from making someone good or great, or kind of making that next jump. Um, so I think it can be any number of things. Um, sometimes it's just the comfort of watching again. Um, But I think athletes now video is such a huge part of their profession. Um, And we live in kind of an age where visuals are so important and seeing themselves either in good or bad situations. um, I think it's such a helpful teaching tool for young players and older players too. I know Ovi wants to see things that happen during games or, you know, even in practice. So um, it's just really, it's kind of one of the best teaching tools you can use as a coach
0: and you kind of need to establish relationships with guys and understand what they're looking for and be able to to get it to them I mean I I I see guys looking at their shifts on the plane like you know less than an hour after after we're finished some some guys that they want to get right into it and and and, you know while it's fresh and and look at it other guys that you know maybe a little little less and and I mean in in that regard you're you're kind of like a teacher that needs to understand how each of his or her students like to learn
1: absolutely i've i've tried to tell people you know building those relationships is one of the most important parts of our job not only with the players but the coaching staff as well Mm -hmm. um you know coaches have different ways they like to do video or teach or run meetings um so knowing how they like to do things is so critical uh, because it helps the efficiency of things if you know how a coach is going to want to watch video or what clips they're going to be looking for. You can get that to them without them having to ask. Um, And same with the players. If you know TJ Oshie is going to want to watch his shifts on the plane that night, you can have those ready to go. And like you said, not every player wants to watch those right away. Sometimes There needs to be, you know, a period of reflection or downtime. Um, But when you look at our schedule Mm -hmm. and how many games are packed in there, um, you know, things happen really quickly. So um, when you have those relationships and you can anticipate what a player is going to ask for or want to see and have those things ready, I think it just makes everyone's life so much easier.
0: And the... The chemistry, I think, bit off the ice between the coaches is is important. It's as important as, as the chemistry on the ice, that there's chemistry in the scouting department. I think all, all of these little areas, communications department too, I think it's really important to uh, to have uh, rapport with the, the people that you work with. And, you know, when you're looking at people like Kevin McCarthy and Peter levy Let, who've been doing what they've been doing for decades um, and, and have had, you know, a world of experience as far as working with different people, different systems. But you've had the same thing in and, and and even in the two years in Hershey, two different regimes, so to speak. You got USA hockey, you you've coached women's basketball, um Wisconsin is a great program. You, you spent years there working with the men's and women's team. I mean, you bring a lot to the table, too. And I feel like, you know, when people sit down in that situation in the in the coaching room in the morning, game day, practice day, whatever it is, and you you start, you know, just bouncing these ideas and you're talking about line construction or you're talking about systems or whatever – you can bring as much to the table as, as anyone.
1: Yeah, and I think I've, I don't know if it's luck, um, but working with people who respect that about myself, um, and that's something that I try to tell people is you're not always going to agree on everything. People are going to see things differently, but as long as there's that respect for one another, um, to me, that's one of the most important aspects of a relationship, whether it's with another coach or a player. Um, you know, I think certainly this staff respects kind of my background um, where I've went and they've asked questions. How did you do things when, you know, you were traveling overseas to Russia yeah. or how did Tony Granado run a pre-scout meeting? Um, and so I've been really lucky to work with coaches who see that and respect that. And even, you know, in the interview process with Peter, he told me he doesn't know everything, you know, the game changes and progresses and coaches come up with new ideas. So, I think the fact that he's so open to new ideas and new ways of doing things um, is one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why he's been so successful.
0: I mean, all of us as humans should aspire to a life of learning and we should be sponges every day, you know, work, life, all of those things. So, and and I think that, that hockey, when it, when it runs well, when it's, when it's done well and when the culture is good and when it's strong, that that's how it operates. And, And, you know, when I sat down and talked with you a couple of years ago when you had been hired for the Hershey job, you mentioned at the time that you kind of fell into this and and didn't even really realize that this job existed. But, you know, when you started at University of Wisconsin, you have told Tony Granato, well, my goal is to, to do this in the NHL. Now that you're here and you can look back on that, that progression from, I guess it was those those couple of weeks in Italy where it started, and you're kind of like, huh. I could I could get used to this. What are what are your thoughts on on just how everything is played out and and how you're able to achieve that dream?
1: Yeah, I think it's a it's a balance between a lot of hard work, obviously, um, and a little bit of luck too. Um, meeting certain people, being able to network uh, with different coaches, um, you know, so. At the time, working a girls U15 camp in St. Cloud, Minnesota in the middle of July um, might feel like a bit of a grind. But if I look back, um, you know, I met some amazing coaches while I was there and that led to other opportunities like working with the U18 national team, going to Russia and winning a gold medal. Um, And so these little kind of interactions or these experiences really built upon themselves. Um, So, like I said, it's kind of a combination of hard work, going to these camps, volunteering, um, working the long hours like you talked about. Um, But those long hours led to uh, different opportunities to come up, Um, led me to meet different people within hockey. Um, And so... I think when I look back, it's been such an interesting journey. Mm. Um, You know, I worked with women's basketball for a year. um, And while I was there, I didn't, I mean, I played a little bit of basketball growing up, but certainly I didn't know basketball to the degree of, you know, a college athletics team. Um, But I've been so fortunate to work with so many different staffs. And like we just talked about different ideas, different backgrounds. um, And so, When I look at it as a whole, I think I've been extremely lucky, and I'm really grateful to have all those different experiences and um, having met so many different types of people.
0: I think one of the other really cool things on your resume is the fact that you were an official on ICE official briefly and that one of your mentors was an official. I got to think that just having been in that mindset of being an official and and knowing what that's like and dealing with all – all that you deal with on the ice. And now, you know, when you're deciding whether to challenge something in the in the coach's room, that, that's got to be a valuable perspective to have.
1: I think so. It's just another lens um, that you can see things through. I mean, you try to see things from a player's perspective, a coach's perspective, an on-ice official's perspective. Um, and so I think... You know, it's just another tool in the toolbox. That mm. sounds so cliche to say. No, but it's true. Um, but I think it's certainly true. And, um, you know, you can always kind of go back and into that mindset. And what did I see? What did the referee see? What did the linesman see? Um, what are we considering here? So... Um, you know, I'm lucky that I was able to do that officiating before I kind of got into this career. Um, and it's something obviously I have to stay up to date with. Um, you know, there's so many different things that we can challenge now and, uh, so many minute differences within those rules. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can really make or break a game. So it's really important to me and something I'm really glad I have kind of in my back pocket. And, and
0: the video, uh Video being involved in hockey, obviously Roger Nielsen probably about forty years ago introduced it. He was the first guy to have a headset behind the bench to communicate um, with a with a, a coach elsewhere, usually up eye in the sky type of a of a situation. But um, it just seems like it's it's still kind of in its infancy as far as it's definitely evolving, um, and and so there are a lot of I mean I know you've talked about meeting Tim Ohashi and Brett Leinhardt at a uh, coaches symposium or, or, or something of that nature. So there's, there's obviously these meetings where you talk about best practices and stuff, but there's also, we want to kind of keep what we do, the way we do what we do a little on the down low. How do you, how do you kind of straddle that, that line?
1: I think um, for me personally, I try to see what other sports are doing as well. Um, the English Premier League in soccer, football, depending on what you want to mm-hmm. call it, um, you know they have a number of video analysts. They can have three, four, five video analysts at a time during one game, and they have multiple angles, and they have all these tools. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's really valuable to look and see what other sports are doing. Um, it may not directly apply to hockey per se, but, um, you know, technology changes so quickly. Um, and so, you know, if us in the hockey world, we don't want to give away all of our secrets, you can kind of look and see what other teams are doing. Um, and so that's something we did at Wisconsin a lot was, you know, different, uh, video coaches or video coordinators within different sports. We would talk to each other and say, how are you guys doing this? Or, when you're filming practice how do you do that um, and so we would meet and just talk kind of best practices or what's up and coming um, and so it really was able to generate these different ideas and um, you know led to us implementing different things that we may not have thought about before
0: and you ascended from the ncaa to the ahl kind of in the midst of of the pandemic and these last two seasons have been a little trying, I think, for all of us. I'm I'm curious as to how you feel like that um, has affected what you do over the the last two seasons, and and specifically that there was a stretch of time, I think it was maybe between Thanksgiving and Christmas last year, where you guys were all of a sudden abruptly shut down for a few weeks. What was that like, and how do you make the the best of of
1: that situation? Yeah, I would describe it not as chaos um but you know things were changing so quickly you know you would get to the rink in the morning and things seemed somewhat normal um and you know halfway through the day a couple players would test positive and it was like everything was kind of up in the air again so I think adaptability is obviously Mm -hmm. something that probably everyone has learned to deal with or implement in their daily lives but Um, again, just trying to think of different technology, um, you know, if we can't meet as a team in person, how do we do that virtually? So Zoom meetings, utilizing our iPad software, um, where we can send videos to players. So, like I said, if we can't have those meetings in person, you always kind of have a plan B or a plan C. Um, and there's always kind of, you know, something in the back pocket if we get shut down or, you know something happens. Um, I like to always have a plan B or a C or even a D.
0: What, what do you feel like was the biggest uh, adjustment or any, was there anything unforeseen in the leap from NCAA to, to Hershey?
1: Honestly, it was pretty, for me, it felt pretty seamless. Um, and I think that's a testament to Tony Granado and his staff at Wisconsin. They really try to run their program like a professional team. Obviously, he has... Thirty years of experience in the NHL so um, there's obviously differences between uh, you know players you know one is in class the other this is their job this is their livelihood Um, but in terms of the day-to-day you know it's a very similar meeting as a staff preparing uh, pre-scouts obviously there's just you know twice as many games um, in the American League as there is in college so for me, it pre- it felt very seamless. Um, hopefully, it felt that way for other people as well. But I think I'm really lucky that it just felt like a pretty easy transition.
0: And and there was a transition between Spencer Carberry and, and Scott Allen in the two years. But Scott was there the year the year before, and now Scott is here with you with you as well. And, and I feel like the Caps over the years have done a great job of of promoting from within, and even. In that, they've lost some some really good people in Tim Ohashi and Spencer Carberry too. So, but I mean that that speaks to I think that the AHL as a development league, which not just for players. And and Peter's been very vocal about um, that over the year too, over the years too. But how would you say, or what would you say, would be the biggest difference between? And again, given the fact that they worked pretty closely together, Scott and and Spencer as, as head coaches, as far as what they were looking for.
1: It's interesting because Spencer's year, it was a COVID season. Uh, we played, I think, 33 mm-hmm. games. We had three opponents. So, you know, we played Lehigh Valley 12 times or whatever it was. <laughs> um, but, you know, they're both, their biggest focus was development. Obviously, you want to win games. Um, and I'm you know, I think we were fortunate that we had good teams and we were able to do that. Um, but the big emphasis is on growth and development, not just with the players, but with the staff as well. Um, and Spencer and Scott were very open about that with me that, you know, they knew my goal was to get to the NHL to get, uh, to work with the caps. So they spent a lot of time with me going through pre-scouts, talking through systems, talking through, you know, this is what I mean by X, Y, and Z. Um, but I think they're just both incredibly uh, gracious humans. Um, and like I said, their big focus was on development. Um, they're great people, um, very kind of family-oriented. Um, and so, you know, obviously two different seasons. Um, but for me personally, there was just so much growth with both of them. And, you know, I couldn't thank them enough for helping me to get here.
0: And we talked about it. USA hockey's an iconic program. University of Wisconsin Hershey as well. I mean, as far as its its place in the in the AHL, I mean it's one of those things that doesn't make sense. A town that small having um the the essentially the cornerstone franchise in the American Hockey League. The closest thing for me, and you you'll probably be able to relate to this because you lived in Wisconsin for a while, is the Green Bay Packers, right? That um They've been established as an NFL franchise for probably a century now, but um, it was a different landscape when they got established. Same thing with, with the Bears. But w- what was just being around that program and seeing the old arena, I'm sure, at some point. And, um, and the Giants Center is a, is a great facility. And just, just being able to see that. Because, like you say, those two guys, they they were their focus was development. But that's a tough uh, – Tough tightrope to walk sometimes in Hershey where winning is also uh, incredibly important.
1: Yeah, it's a special place. Um, That's the best way that I can describe it because, like you said, the American Hockey League, not every team or organization treats its American Hockey League team like Washington treats Hershey. Um, You know, there's Calder Cup's um you know through history like you said Hershey Park Arena um there's just so much history and so it feels special to be a small part of it even for me I was there for two seasons but it's someplace that I'll always hold very close and dear to my heart just because everyone there cares about it so much um you know whether it's the staff the fans everywhere you go you know people are really excited to talk about the bears um they know the players they know the history, so it's just, it's so unique, Um, and I was lucky to come from Wisconsin that had a rich hockey tradition, too, so to be in Wisconsin and then go to Hershey, it was kind of, I mean, it's amazing, really, to think about the history between those two places, but it really just is special, and, you know, how much people care about it there is, I think, second to none, honestly.
0: And you kind of latched on to hockey when Colorado, the, the Quebec Nordiques moved to Denver, where you lived at the time, or you lived in Colorado at the time. Um, do you believe that, had that not happened, if, if the Quebec Nordiques were still in Quebec, do you think you would have found the game at some point, found your way to the game? Or do you, do you feel like that that, that that move of that franchise at that time was sort of inter, integral to getting you to where you are now?
1: I can't imagine getting into the sport without it. Um, You know, especially the early 2000s, you had Peter Forsberg, Joe Sackick, Patrick Waugh. I mean, you look at the names from that time, and it's just, it's hard to believe that, you know, they were the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, there's just so many Hall of Famers on one team. Um, So it's hard to imagine getting into the sport like I did without that move and without, you know, that 1996 championship team, the 2001 championship mm-hmm. team. So for me, that was integral. I don't know if I really would have gotten into the sport otherwise.
0: And, and it's remarkable, too, looking back on it with the benefit of hindsight, how y- typically when you see a team move from one location to another it's because they're, they're just terrible. But like you said, that team was loaded, and they were going to be good. And obviously they, they won again couple of months ago and and i feel like that was maybe within days of of the announcement of of your promotion here did what, what was that experience like to experience another avalanche cup win at, at a time when you, you also had this this amazing thing going on in, in your personal life had to feel like a little bit of a a full circle
1: yeah it was a great week <laughs> <laughs> um, you know if i wasn't you know, if I wasn't working for the Caps, you know, the Avs would still probably be my team because it's where I grew up. Um, That's the team that made me fall in love with hockey. So it was exciting for me. They've had such a good team the last few years and, um, you know, haven't been able to kind of cross that finish line. So especially as, you know, having Joe Sackick as their GM, um, that also felt kind of full circle because he's been the face of that franchise for 25 years or more. Um, so, you know, it's kind of the cherry on top of kind of the announcement of my hiring and knowing that I was going to be with Washington and have a chance to do the same thing. Hopefully, you know, make a cup run.
0: And how much do you feel like being in Hershey these last couple of years, you've spent a little bit of time here. You've been around the facility and all that. How, how much did even just those little windows into being here help sort of help you lift off and ascend here once we get rolling October 12th?
1: Yeah, I think it's motivation. You know, even the first time I came down here uh, with the Black Aces during the COVID year, um, you know, you just get a sense of, it's again, it's a special place. Um, There's a winning tradition and a winning history here, um, and that's the focus. And so when you're here, you kind of feel that energy where everyone is pulling on the same rope. You know, we all want to get to a Stanley Cup and win the Stanley Cup. So every time I've been here, whether it was a training camp or development camp, um, it just adds that little bit of motivation. Um, and now being here, you know, the summer has felt kind of long. Um, and I'm personally just kind of itching to get started and get the season rolling.
0: What do you feel like internally, your your internal skill set, your your makeup as a human being, what, what part of that... Uh, has been most beneficial to you in, in your rise from USA Hockey to University of Wisconsin, to You're the first female coach in the AHL and now breaking that same barrier in the NHL.
1: It's a good question. Um, I think I just have this, you know, and a lot of people have it, this drive just to be the best that I can be and get to the top of my profession Um you know, I was able to work with the women's national team and that kind of felt like the peak for that um, aspect of the sport. You know, there isn't a women's professional league yet. Um, So, you know, I kind of reached a little bit of the pinnacle there. Um, And so, you know, on the men's side, the NHL is the best league in the world. Um, So I've always just had this drive that I want to be working with the best um, and do the best that I can. And so, you know, you have a goal and you just work to achieve that. So, um, you know, maybe just patience too. I think when I was at Wisconsin, it was kind of like, okay, I want to get to the NHL and you want that to happen quick, you know, kind of like a player who's drafted, they want to get to the NHL as quick as they can, but you learn that there's a process. Um, so a little bit of patience, um, and that drive and just kind of seeing things through, I think has definitely helped. Tell me a
0: little bit about the, um, NHLCA female coaches development program what what they're about how they get started and, and what are their objects objectives, objectives uh, going forward
1: yeah it's a huge credit to Lindsay Arkin who's the president um, of the NHLCA you know I think she was at a seminar or something and saw that you know there were little to no women in the audience um, and it was kind of like why not you know there's so many women coaching at different levels there's no reason why a woman can't coach, You know, in the American Hockey League or at the NHL. So she um, put it together and I kind of heard about it secondhand from another member and they just, you know, told me I should email her and see if I could join. Um, And I'm lucky enough that she said yes. But we have monthly calls um, ranging from a number of different topics. I know she's worked with different coaching staffs to kind of get an inside look at, you know, what a development camp meeting looks like or what a morning meeting looks like um and so it's just it's a great networking tool for women who want to you know not just work in the nhl but continue their coaching career um and again just seeing different perspectives different backgrounds um for me it's been an invaluable resource just knowing these other women too and um there's such great personalities and so much great knowledge in the game
0: Going back in answer to you, you mentioned that, that there's not a women's professional league. What, putting on you know, a, a different kind of hat here, what needs to happen for, for there to be the NHL equivalent of, say, the WNBA? Because th- that league, to me, started out a little wobbly, and I think they've really done a great job of establishing themselves, but they had... They had the backing of the NBA. What can the NHL do to, to help us see something similar get off the ground uh, for women in hockey?
1: Such a great question. Um, and I think the NHL has been pretty uh, vocal about the fact that they want to see one league. Right now, you kind of have two separate leagues, uh, the PHF and the PWHPA. And so they have kind of, they publicly said they wouldn't really back anything unless there was one league. um and to that it's just unfortunate that that's how it is right now um and the obvious solution is you merge them together and you create one league um but it's kind of a bit of a headbutt right now between those two leagues so to be completely honest I don't know what the answer is um You know, I know a lot of the players on the PWHPA side have said they wanted better conditions, they wanted better pay, Um, and it's never, I shouldn't say never, it's not going to be equal to the NHL right away. There will be growing pains. Um, You're not going to see players making millions of dollars. Um, But first and foremost, it just has to be one league. And so, you know, the leaders of those two separate leagues need to come together um, and hopefully – create one league that the NHL can then back. And hopefully, you know, we see something like the WNBA, um, you know, a couple of years down the road.
0: I think a lot of us would love to see it. I mean, the NHL merged with the WHA, two warring factions that came together a little over 40 years and, you know, have been together since, and the Quebec Nordiques included in in that uh, quartet of teams. You've mentioned a, a number of times that you, you kind of fell into this job and, and that, you know, a decade ago, you you didn't even realize the existence of this job. But what would you tell someone who is inspired by your story and wants to follow in your footsteps? What would be the best route? What would you tell someone? I mean, you obviously can't replicate, like you say, the, the strokes of good fortune that we've all had to, to get here, but... Um, what would you tell someone as far as if this is your dream, this is, this is how I would recommend you go about pursuing it?
1: I think, um, you know, saying yes to different opportunities, even if it doesn't seem like it's going to pay off right away. Or, you know, if a women's <laughs> basketball team offers you a position, right. it may not seem, you know, how is that going to work its way to hockey? But I think saying yes to different opportunities leads to obviously different learning experiences, um, and having those learning experiences, you always have that in your back pocket when things come up and you never know who you're going to meet. Honestly, you know, it could be a volunteer experience at a, you know, a youth clinic that you're just happening to video for a friend who's a coach. Um, so I think sometimes we tend to look down on certain opportunities for different reasons. You know, they don't pay well. It's not the level I want to work at. Um, but say yes to those opportunities because you never know where it might lead you
0: fully concur with, with that. Um, Last thing before we let you go, we, we brought up Roger Nielsen a little bit earlier. Uh, He's the guy who sort of fostered the advent of, of video into the NHL. And it's, I guess when you, when you look at it now, it's, it's almost half of the NHL's history um, that, that video has been at least present to some extent, but uh, as I mentioned earlier too, it's kind of still evolving. What are the areas or where can uh, the, the the confluence of, of video and technology and analytics, where, where can it go next? Where, what are the areas where you can, I mean, we talk about it all the time, the little things that matter to a, to a hockey team over 82 games. Uh, there's, there's so much parity in the league. Um, little things like the schedule can ha- can have an impact, but, where can you find those 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 things that, that could add up to a, a point here, a point there, and maybe the difference between home ice or making the playoffs or something like that?
1: I think we're almost starting to see it with player tracking, um, and I think another aspect that can come into play is kind of the human performance element um, and kind of merging those areas together. Um, maybe you see where a player's stride is deficient You can see that with video because of player tracking. So I think that's probably the next thing is, you know, where it's so broken down to individual player characteristics and how that can make a difference to, you know, someone like Nick Backstrom, who's trying to come back from an injury, um, really analyzing certain aspects of a player's game. Um, you know, there's so many analytical routes right now, line combinations and defensive pairings and all this type of stuff. So I think that's probably the next wave. Um, I think the sky's the limit. I, sometimes I hear things or see things that I never think will be possible. And then, you know, they start to implement a out. So it's definitely an exciting, um, profession to be in um, just because like I said before things move so quickly but um, I think it's definitely exciting to see where it can go.
0: Well and you said it there the sky's the limit and that, and that goes for each of us as individuals and and the technology there too and you're a living breathing example of it so thank you for spending some time with us today and congratulations and we look forward to uh, seeing you on the circuit here for, for the next six seven eight hopefully nine months.
1: Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me.
0: This has been Break the Ice with Mike Vogel, presented by Power Up Premium Trail Mix, the official trail mix of the Washington Capitals. If you like the show, please leave a review.